This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. What are you putting your faith in? All the faith that you have. You know, it's like you're distributing in life. Do you put your faith in yourself? Do you put your faith in man? Do you put your faith in money in the government? You know, take that for homework. Take it home and pray. Spend some time with the Lord in devotion and find out where your faith is. What are you putting your trust in? There's a lot of things that we tend to put our faith in in this world. So it's important to pinpoint what those things are so that we can adjust our sights to have our faith placed on the only one who is trustworthy yesterday, today, and forever. In today's message, Pastor Eddie will share how Christ came to save sinners and how Jesus willingly came to show us his great love on the cross without having us done anything to earn it. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie as he continues his study in Romans. still in God's courtroom. And in our last study, the Apostle Paul proved this case that the deprived Gentiles, those who rejected God, the moralists, those who believed they were good people while judging others in place of God against the Jews, against those of the people of the covenant who had the oracles of God. Now there is a really a fourth group of people and that group of people, everyone's included. And Paul says in Verse 10 of chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, verse 10, he said, It is written that there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understand. There is none who seeks after God. And that's every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, from Adam to today, even for those who will be born. None righteous, not one. There is no one righteous. And so the case is closed. Every single one of us, in fact, uh, we forget that we are born in sin. We're born in sin. Psalms 51 verse 5, the psalmist write, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Everyone was born in sin. Every one of us are sinful. Now, children, every child, to the age of accountability, are innocent. But we're all born into sin until the time they get to the age of accountability. So if all people are sinners, that means all are subject to receive the wrath of God. We're all subject to receive the wrath of God. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed. From where? From heaven. It comes from God. Against who? Against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men. And so... In Romans chapter 1, all the way to Romans chapter 3, verse 20, Paul has showed that all are sinners and all deserve the penalty of death, the wrath of God. That's what he's done thus far. Now, 
from Romans chapter 3, verse 21. We're going to begin. We're going to go back to verse 21 all the way to Romans chapter 5, verse 21. Paul is going to take us from the wrath of God to the righteousness of God. What a relief, right? Really knowing that, hey, we're all sinners. And I think Paul made it clear. There's none righteous, not one. And he made his point. Include all kinds of people. And now he's going to give us, you know, show us from Romans chapter 3, verse 21 to Romans chapter 5, verse 21, the righteousness of God. And so he's taken us from condemnation. He's going to take us to justification. What a beautiful word, justification. And that is the very theme of the book of Romans. If we remember going back, we need to bring up this theme. The theme of the book of Romans is found in chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation from everyone who believes. For the Jew first, also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so the only way man can be righteous, it is through justification and is not by the law, is not by works, not by religion, but by faith in Christ Jesus. Very simple. Somehow man has made it complicated. They've added religion to it. It's just so simple. That's basically it. All you have to do is believe. The just shall live by faith. So the only way you and I can be justified by faith is in Christ Jesus. And so let's go back to the scene of the courtroom here. Everyone is found guilty. Every single one walked off the witness stand guilty with their heads down. And so the people would ask Paul, Paul, we're guilty now. We deserve the wrath of God. The penalty of sin is death, and we deserve the wrath of God. So, Paul, how can I be saved? How can I be saved from the wrath of God? How can I be right, righteous before God, justified? And so Paul is going to prove that, and um, in walks in Jesus Christ. He's the advocate. In 1 John chapter 2, Verses 1 and 2, it says, And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. For the whole world. We're going to deal with that in a little bit, about who is this for? Salvation is for all, for the whole world. And praise God, here comes the Savior. So we left off in verse 23 last week, but let's just take it from verse 21. In verse 21, two words here. It says, but now. These two words, but now, here in verse 21 of chapter 3, gives us the transition from the wrath of God to the righteousness of God. So if you want to pinpoint the very center from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 5, verse 21, between the condemnation and justification, it is right here in verse 21. From judgment to justification. After uh, looking at how sinful we are, after being found guilty, after knowing we are deserving of the wrath of God, we come to verse 21. But now... The righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. In other words, God has shown us a way 
Jesus is the way, truth, and life. God has shown us a way that we can be righteous before him and without keeping the requirements of the law, which is so great. Because if you look at the commandments, they're so difficult to keep. Even the first one, we fool ourselves. Thou shalt have no other God before me. What have we put in place of God or in front of God? It is the righteousness of God apart from the law. Let us put the law aside. Not that it has no value. Not that it's not our tutor. Not that it shows how glorious God is. But let's put the law aside. We can be righteous before God without the laws. How so? First of all, the law demonstrates the righteousness of God. That's what the Lord does. The law is righteous. So let's look at the law. In Romans chapter 7, verse 12, Paul says, Therefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. But the law is a witness to the righteousness of God. It proves that God is righteous. Now, when you look at the law, you see, wow, In order for me to be right with God, without believing, let's say I have not put my faith in Christ, in the Lord, just by looking at the law, it shows how sinful I am, and it shows how holy God is. And that's what the law does. The law is not a witness all by itself. It's a witness together with who? It says here, with the prophets. The law and the prophets revealed the righteousness of God. In other words, the righteousness of God was not foreign in the Old Testament. The Old Testament clearly that God is righteous and it pointed to his son, Jesus Christ. The prophets foretold us the types with the types and shadows in the pictures of the promised one, the Messiah, the sacrificial lamb. And you find all over in the scriptures from the Old Testament, even the New Testament, that they couple these two together, the law and the prophets. As a matter of fact, Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Jesus said in Matthew 5, chapter 5, verse 17, he says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus came to fulfill the law. Because he is perfect, he is without sin, because he is God. The law and the prophets, speaking of all the scriptures and all the promises and all the prophecies about Jesus Christ, they all point to Jesus. Everything, the whole word of God, Old and New Testament points to Jesus Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 39, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me. He told this to the Pharisees, who thought they were more knowledgeable, more educated in the word than anyone else. But Jesus said, listen, it's like walking on a dollar trying to find a dime, you know? The scriptures speak of me. And this is why we here study the word of God, word for word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Paul said, have I not taught you the whole counsel of God? And how are you going to understand God? How are you going to understand what pleases God? How are you going to understand your relationship with God? How are you going to know how to pray? How do you know how to live your life based on the whole counsel of God? That is from Genesis to revelation. 
But now, Paul says, justification is apart from the law. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. How can we be made right before God? Through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, it always points to Jesus. That's why Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man, no one can go to the Father in heaven but by me. How can we be made right? Through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, we all have faith. Every single one of us. And you may say, well, you know, I could use some tuning up in that area. Hey, we always do. We could always use a little more faith, right? We all have faith, every single one of us. The question is, well, let's put what Paul said. Paul says in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, that God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. God has dealt each and every one of us a measure of faith. The question is, how can you know how much faith you have? Well, I'm going to answer your question with a question. Well, what are you putting your faith in? All the faith that you have. You know, it's like you're distributing in life. Do you put your faith in yourself? Do you put your faith in man? Do you put your faith in money in the government? You know, take that for homework. Take it home and pray. Spend some time with the Lord in devotion and find out where your faith is, where you're putting your trust in. Each and every one of us have faith. Now, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. We have been saved because of faith. By God's grace, but we believe in it, and so thus we are saved. And so a person can be made right with God by simply placing their faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. Not of works, not of religion, not of rules and regulations, not of the law. Is by simply placing your faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to get into this a little bit more when Paul gives the example of our father of faith. His name is Abraham, father Abraham, the Lord gave him a covenant. It's called the Abrahamic covenant. He said, I will make you a father of many nations. It's plural. We know Abraham is the father of the Hebrews, of the Jews, of the Israelites. We also know that he's also the father of the Ishmaelites, right? But there's another group of people that father Abraham's a father to. He's your father, our father, because he's the father of faith. He believed in God in Romans 15, and it says that it was counted to him as righteousness. Wait a minute, some would think. You know, scholars would think about this. Wait a minute, how can Abraham be right before God? Uh, the laws wasn't even written. Moses wasn't even in the picture. There was no commandments. <laughs> that is just it. And I'm glad God is holy. Oh, he's beyond wisdom. You can't fabricate. People say that the Bible is fabricated, made by man. But God has allowed the scriptures for us to have in our lap that we can actually witness that those can be right before God, before the law. And God has spoken and given that covenant to Abraham to know that all he had to do is believe and is accounted for righteousness. Incredible. 
The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. And so a person can be made right with God simply by believing in Christ, putting their faith in Christ, not in works. And that righteousness of God for those who have faith is available to whom? To all. It's available to all. All have sinned. And now this righteousness and justification is also available to all. And so no matter who you are, either you're Jew or Gentile, there is no difference if you believe in Jesus Christ and if you put your faith in him, you are righteous before God. Now, we need to pause here for a minute because there is a group of people who believe in predestination. They're from the Calvinistic view. I always say hyper-Calvinistic. And what I mean by that is that it's important for you to understand it because um, there are those who believe and they're from the school of predestination. In other words, they feel that there are some that are elected. Some elected. They're predestined to go to heaven. It was already planned. So if some were predestined to go to heaven, already planned, what does that say about those that are not? Some were predestined to go to hell. Really? Did God create every man to go to hell? or a group of men and women to go to hell. That's the Calvinistic view, predestination. Salvation is for all, for all. Those that are elected when it comes to the word chosen in the new covenant, in the new testament, those that are called elected is God's foreknowledge, not man's. It's not for a school of people or a certain group of Christendom to start saying, well, there are people who are made for heaven, made for hell. It's God's foreknowledge. The Lamb's book of life is already written. God sees the beginning from the end. God knows it all. And so we're talking about electing. You want to know who's elected? Well, if you accepted Jesus Christ, then you're elected. Very simple. You see, because there's a problem We look at this book here, and with the book of Romans, Paul's been saying all, all have sinned, all. It's available to Jews and Gentiles. It's concluding everyone. So the book of Romans puts that view to a close. Puts that view to a close. All have sinned, and the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ is to all, on all who believe. Here's what Peter writes, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slacking concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the hyper-Calvinistic person has a problem, I believe, with interpreting the simple word of all. All means all. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes, whoever, not the elected, not the chosen few, not the ones that predestined, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's for all. Also, the righteousness of God, Paul tells us here, through faith in Jesus Christ is to all and on all. To all and on all. Psalms 132 verse 9. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness. Is a covering of righteousness. Paul writes to the church in Galatia. Galatians chapter 3 verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ has put on Christ. 
put on Christ. And so the righteousness of God is available to all and on all. Now, once again, Paul is making this clear. We went through this here in verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned. We saw that from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 3. Every Jew, Gentile, male or female, we're born sinners. We need to be born again. That's why Jesus says you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I love to share that verse with so many people that know about church, know about Christ, um, have some different backgrounds in Christianity, but do not understand the born again because there's been a movement, a born again movement that became very, very charismatic and started getting into unbiblical practices. And so people labeled all Christian, you know, Bible thumpers and fanatic Christians as born again but is a term and it's something that every Christian, regardless of denomination you are, it doesn't matter what denomination, you need to be born again. That's it, bottom line. You need to be born again. Jesus says you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, John chapter three. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so we lost our case here in court. Every single one of us. Paul is going to get to the justification. Paul, the attorney, has proved the case that we are all sinners. But wait, here comes Jesus Christ. Jesus now walks into the courtroom, if you will, as the lamb that has been slain. We see his pierced hands, his feet's been pierced, the marking of the crown of thorns over his brow. He comes in gloriously as our advocate, and he's come to redeem us from the wrath of God. And just before the sentence going to be given to every sinner, the wrath of God to every man was about to be given. Jesus Christ comes in to free us from the penalty of sin, to declare us righteous before God because we put our faith in him. What I need to do to be saved, Paul, you tell me I'm a sinner, believe in Jesus Christ, and they, we all repent, and now we come to Jesus. And here comes our advocate walking into the courtroom. And I could put myself there, guilty. And here comes Jesus to represent me. And you could just hear the crowd in the courtroom saying, how can Eddie afford a big time lawyer like this king, this prince? How can he afford this big time? He is guilty. There is no way. And according to his guilt, he deserves the wrath of God. He deserves penalty. And he's bringing this big time. How can he afford such a lawyer? How? Simply believing. Simply believing. What did it cost you? To get this prince, this king to defend you, cost me nothing. All I had to do is believe, but it cost him everything. It cost the father everything to give up his son. The book of Romans gives us a unique review of scriptural doctrine. As we continue to learn from this New Testament book, we'll also discover the gospel's powerful message throughout and discover practical life application with it as well. We pray Eddie's message on running the race has been an encouragement to you and that you're eager to learn more about the gospel message and how it applies to you. We'd like you to know that we pray for you regularly here at Running the Race, and we're so glad that you are one of our listeners. 
We'd also like to encourage you to find a local church where you can be part of a community that's growing together in faith. With that in mind, here's Tracy. Maybe you're listening right now in Milford, Pennsylvania, and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. For more information, call us at 570-296-7367. That's 570-296-7367. Or log on to runningtheraceradio.com and click on service times. Thanks, Tracy. That website once again is runningtheraceradio.com. While you're there, you can also listen to more messages by Eddie or download them to take with you on the go. That's all we have for today, but join us again for more on the Book of Romans right here on Running the Race. I'm